Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. We can be passionate and excited about a lot of things, can't we? Maybe it's a hobby or a pet, a style of cooking or a book or a film series. We all have those things that we get passionate about. And hopefully for some of you, you'll be passionate about listening to me speak this morning. Otherwise, we're in for a long slog. Like Phil said, my name's Peter, and I have the privilege of opening up God's Word this morning. But before we begin, why don't we pray over our time together? Father God, we give this time over to you. Let my words be clear, and let this message come from you. Let it not be my thoughts, but let it be your word. Holy Spirit, would you open up ears to hear and eyes to see, so that as a church, we may grow closer to Jesus through this message. Amen. So has anyone ever discovered something really cool? Maybe it's a a new restaurant or a cafe, a new tourist attraction, or that must-see TV show that you just have to tell people about? That's our natural response, isn't it, when we discover something? We go and tell others. Maybe you'll post an Instagram story showing off the incredible meal you had out at the newest restaurant, right, Dylan and Carthana? They they seem to have more meals out than I have meals altogether. Maybe, like me, you're passionate about the World Cup at the moment, and it's funny, isn't it, that there's something special about the World Cup that all these people who have usually no interest in football are spending their lunch breaks watching matches and discussing what happened the night before. The hope can captivate an entire nation, and usually, in the case of our close neighbours, England, it's usually for a a pretty short time. Come on, Senegal. (laughs) See, that's the thing, isn't it, that we, we find it pretty easy to tell people about the cool things that we've discovered. But I don't know about you, but I can be a lot more reluctant to tell people about Jesus. It's easy for me to stand up here in front of what should hopefully be a fairly receptive crowd, but it's a lot more difficult to share the same message with my colleagues at work. And as Pastor Phil mentioned, We're in the middle, as a church, of a series looking at our church values. If you weren't here last Sunday night, you missed out, and not just because of the free pizza. William and Anna did a great job kicking off, talking about how serving is our calling and joy is our choice. And this morning, I have the unenviable task of trying to follow that up by looking at another one of our church values. But before we dive into that, let's take a step back. You see, you might not even be aware that as a church we have values We did used to have them up on the wall in the foyer before all the redecoration, and I know Phil has great plans to to bring them back in a really cool artistic style in the near future. So you might even be wondering, why as a church do we have values? Surely all we need is doctrine. Well, what point is values on top of just believing in God? You see, in James 2, we're reminded that even the demons have some correct doctrine because they believe in God, but they don't live out the implications of it. James tells us that he'll show his faith by what he does, and it's our church values that help us be guided as to how we should live out our faith. You see, we need to believe the right things, which is known as orthodoxy, but we also need to live the right way, which is known as orthopraxy, and that's just a fancy word that means correct conduct, and it's a useful word to have in the back of your head for the upcoming family Scrabble games, because there's some high-scoring point tiles there. And that's what our values give us a framework to help with. They help us see how we're meant to live out with correct conduct the things that we believe to be true about our relationship with God. You see, it's all too easy for us to believe something and not actually live it out. For example, I believe that if I want to be healthy and stay fit, then I need to eat the right foods, I need to get up in the morning and go to the gym, and I need to avoid late-night McDonald's. I sincerely believe that. I know it to be true, but I don't always live it out. I hit the snooze button on the alarm and skip the gym sessions. I drive by the meadows and do a quick drive-through for a quarter pounder with cheese. 
I was straight there last Sunday night after the service, trying to get a little end-of-the-weekend treat, even though I knew I was trying to fit into my suit for the Dream Team party. <laughs> the good news is that the suit did fit on Thursday night, but whether or not it would still fit after my work meal on Friday nights, another matter. It's our values that make it more tangible how we're meant to live out our faith. They give us guidance and direction to apply our faith to help it go from being mere head knowledge into a lived out heart transformation. And right at the top of our list of values is the one that I'm speaking about this morning. Jesus is our message. So that's the title of this morning's talk. You see, as a church, we believe that Jesus should be our focus. We believe that the church was built on Jesus, by Jesus, and for Jesus. So that's what I'm going to be exploring this morning. We're going to look at what the message is, why Jesus is our message as a church, and what it means for us, both as a church and as individuals, that Jesus is our message. You see, it says in Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 21, So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. I don't know how much you know about building, for those like me who don't know really anything other than it happens, a cornerstone is the stone that's placed in the corner of a building between two walls that meet to give the entire thing structural integrity. It's something of great importance and everything relies on it. If you don't have the cornerstone secure, the whole house is going to fall down. And for us as a church, Jesus is our cornerstone. Without him, it would all fall apart. He is our central message. He's the reason we exist, to make him known in Portadown and County Armagh and beyond. We aren't here just for something fun to do on a Sunday morning. Our it doesn't exist just to give you a selection of social events and parties to fill up your week. We're here because we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. We're here because we believe it's only through a relationship with Jesus that people can find true freedom and discover their purpose. You see, Jesus is the focus of the messages we preach, the songs we sing, and the prayers we pray. Once you've been here for any length of time, you'll start to notice there's a recurring pattern to everything that we do. We'll be constantly talking about Jesus. We'll be constantly sharing what Jesus did for us on the cross. We'll be constantly talking about how Jesus is the hope of the world. And it's not because we're lazy and just recycling old material, mostly. It's because we passionately believe that the message of Jesus is the most important message anyone could hear. Without Jesus, everything we do here would be meaningless. You see, Jesus is our message, central to everything we do. Our message isn't politics. Our story isn't self-improvement. If you want slick production, you can get a better experience at the SSE Arena. Sorry, production guys. I know you do a great job with the equipment we have. If you want comedy, you'll get more laughs on a stand-up comedian special on Netflix. Good production, laughter, and self-improvement are all important and nice things to have, but they're not our message. They're not our main focus. Our message is Jesus, the Son of God who humbled himself, stepped down from the throne of heaven to live among us, dying on a cross for our sins and rising in resurrection life to restore us to relationship with him and give us that promise of victory over sin and death. You see, we build our values not on sandy ground, but on Christ, the solid rock. We're reminded in Romans 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You see, as a church, we believe unashamedly, undeniably, uncompromisingly, and unwaveringly that Jesus is our message. We need to take ownership of that fact, that the message of Jesus is the power of salvation for, for everyone who believes. We don't need to be ashamed about having faith in Jesus. We don't need to keep quiet about it. What I'm going to share this morning is unlikely to be new information if you've been coming to R8 for any length of time. 
you may feel like you already know it. You know that Jesus is our message, and you know that we're supposed to tell others about him. But I think there's a difference between knowing something in your head and actually really knowing it and living it out. I think we all need reminders every now and again. In fact, at the end of his gospel account, John writes that all the books in the world wouldn't be enough to tell of all that Jesus did in just his few short years on earth. If all the books in the world couldn't contain everything about Jesus, then I think I can pretty safely say that none of us know all there is to know about Jesus, so we all have more to learn. Even those who've been faithfully following Jesus for as long as Joe and Edith, there's still room for improvement. And one of the frustrating things too about the human brain is the older we get, the more prone we are to forget what we once did know. So we have to keep that knowledge fresh by keeping it topped up, spending time each day with Jesus. We need to be getting into the Word every day, doing our daily bread devotions, and helping what we discover sink deep down into our hearts so that we can live it out. So the first observation I want to share with you about what it means for us to have Jesus as our message is that we need to know the message. If Jesus is to be our message, it stands to reason that then we must know Jesus and know what exactly his message is. If I came to you and told you that I was cheering for Senegal tonight but couldn't name you a single Senegal player, you would question my commitment to the team. And it's the same with Jesus. We need to know the message inside out. This time of year is the season of Advent, which makes it a particularly poignant time to be talking about Jesus as our message. And by the way, haven't the decor team done a great job? Can you tell that Pastor Phil delegated it this year? <laughs> you see, Advent is a season of anticipation, of remembering the original coming of Jesus that very first Christmas and looking forward with excitement to his return in glory. It's a time of the year when the message of Jesus should be right at the center of everything that we do, but all so easily, he can get pushed to the margin or even overlooked altogether. As a church, Jesus is our message, and so we must make sure we don't let anything else in life take his place. I was walking down the street of Portadown last weekend, and all the shops had their Christmas decorations up. In all the windows, there were Santas, trees, and usually a sign highlighting the, the Black Friday sale that had been running since September. There was only one shop where I could see a nativity set in the window. You see, for many people, Christmas has become all about spending money that they don't really have on presents that they don't really need, rather than embracing the free gift of grace from Jesus, which is the one thing that we all truly need. There's that endless array of movies from Hallmark on the TV that my wife, Cheriff, likes to watch every year, the same ones. Have you ever noticed that it's the exact same plot in all of them? The girl moves back home to her small town for Christmas, always gets together with that guy that she thought was a jerk at the start, but bonds with whenever they go shopping for a Christmas tree in the snow. There you go. See if you happen to watch any of them this year. You can just keep the World Cup on. You see, the Hallmark movies always present a Christless Christmas. Their central message is all about finding romance at Christmas rather than the greatest love story, the story of the love of Jesus who came down to be born as a man to enter our world at Christmas as a baby so we could be restored to our relationship with God. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying we need to go out and boycott Starbucks just because they don't put the word Christmas on their red holiday cups, although maybe we should boycott them for trying to charge four pounds for a cup of coffee that's worse than you can get in the foyer for free. <laughs> Jane didn't even bribe me to say that. But all of that is just to highlight how easily at this time of year the message can get obscured or even completely forgotten. We may think we know the story of, Chris, of Jesus, but this morning I want to stir you up by way of remembrance, because I know if you're anything like me, you're all too easily prone to forget. And my hope and prayer as I was prepare, preparing for this message is that there'll be some people here today, or maybe some people that you'll share this with later, that have never actually come under that message or aren't familiar with the message of Jesus themselves. 
As we approach Christmas, I want to give you the opportunity to approach the festive season this year with a real awareness of what it's all truly about. And Paul outlines the message of Jesus really clearly in Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he may be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. You see, as a church, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe Jesus has no beginning or end. We believe he was present at creation, the word in the beginning. We believe that by his power, he holds everything together. We believe that all of us like sheep have gone astray, each of us turning from God's way and trying to go our own way. And we believe that that breaks our relationship with God and leaves us facing eternal separation from him. But we also believe the good news that Jesus humbled himself and came down from heaven. We believe that he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified, suffered, died on the cross in our place and was buried. We believe on the third day, he rose again, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. We believe that by his death and resurrection, he's reconciled those of us who put their faith in him into our relationship with God. And we believe that though we were once rebellious and hostile to God's ways and living for our own pleasures, Jesus' blood has the power to forgive us and make us righteous with God, giving us that life everlasting. And that's the message of Jesus, that there's reconciliation possible between God and man. The message of Jesus is that by accepting what he did for us, through his death and resurrection, that we can stand holy and blameless before God our Father. And that's what we'll unashamedly celebrate each and every week here at Ariat. And that's what we need to make the main focus of all of our lives, because everything else is secondary to that. I'm the father of an eight-week-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and my older daughter Ada loves Peppa Pig. Don't judge me, it makes mealtimes a lot easier. And at this point, I've seen all the Christmas episodes of Peppa Pig at least five times, and we're only on December 4th, so please pray for me. <laughs> and in Peppa Pig at Christmas, they have snow, they have Santa, they even go to a pantomime in one episode, and that's actually a, a pretty funny episode, I'd recommend that one. <laughs> but there's no mention of Jesus in Peppa Pig's version of Christmas. In Peppa Pig, Christmas just happens just because. There's no reason for it. There's no message to it other than presents are good. But we know that Jesus is our message. He's the original reason for Christmas. There's been so much added on by culture to all the celebrations. And don't get me wrong, most of that stuff isn't bad in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with putting up some lights, eating some party food, and having a bit of fun. But all too easily, those lesser things can take away the focus from Jesus. And I want to encourage you today to go out and enjoy all that the next few weeks have in store. Enjoy the family meals, the TV specials, and the playlists with those cheesy Christmas songs. But don't forget that underneath it all, Jesus is our message. Keep your eyes fixed on him above all. 
And remember that while we were alienated far from God, he came to reconcile us to relationship with him, and that's why we celebrate. And remember too that just like a dog, this message is not just for Christmas. You see, Jesus is our message for life. It can be easy, can't it, to go to the extreme of being really focused on Jesus at Christmas and then forgetting about him the rest of the year. I've been there myself in years gone by. There's always so many different carol services and Advent devotional readings that by the time you get to December 25th, you feel that you've stocked up enough holy points in the, the bank, so to speak, and you can take a break for a few weeks. But that can lead to a very rapid decline in your faith. So we must strive to keep Jesus as our message throughout every part of life, not just at Christmas. And at R8, we're doing our bit to help you out this year as we, we just have that one carol service on the 18th, conveniently timed to be just after the World Cup final's finished. So make sure that you do get your tickets booked and be thinking and praying about who you could be inviting to. So the next point to look at is why we as a church have Jesus as our message. And it's really simple. The reason why Jesus is our message is because the world needs good news. We believe that people hear enough bad news, and so our desire is always to tell and share good news. The message of Jesus, the gospel, literally means good news. And this good news is the central message of our church. We're coming up to Christmas, and one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story is the story of the shepherds. Probably because at an early age as a child in Sunday school, I'd played the role of a shepherd in one of the nativity plays with the go-to costume of the tea towel on my head, which probably would get you canceled for cultural appropriation now. So I feel that connection with the shepherds. And Luke shares their experience in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. You see, the shepherds are out there, minding their own business, watching their flocks by night, all seated on the ground, when all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears and proclaims to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, that's how the shepherd frames the message of Jesus. It is good news. The angel knew that that's what the shepherds needed, and it's what the world around us needs too. It's, it's what all of us in this room need as well. The world doesn't need more self-help talks. They don't need more places serving nice coffee. They don't need more bands playing trendy tunes. They don't even need more keyboardists playing soft backing keys to elevate an average message to something that sounds super holy. Good as Dylan is at that. <laughs> but what the world needs is Jesus, and that's what we're going to offer them. You see, we don't want to build up our own name or our own reputation. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. This is his church, not Phil's or anyone else's. I don't want you to be looking at me for the example of how to live because that would be a disaster for everyone. I want you to see and savor Jesus. I don't want you to be impressed by the talk that I give. Okay, well, maybe a bit of the fleshy nature of me does. But primarily, I want you to be impressed by what Jesus has done for us. There's so much going on in the world around us. The, the cost of living crisis, the, the war in Ukraine, the, the ongoing legacy of two years of lockdowns, all sorts of identity confusion, and a social media-fueled mental health crisis, to name but a few of the things. But we don't need to get dismayed at all that we see and hear going on around us because we have good news of great joy, and that's what gives us hope. We have the message of Jesus. We have the hope of a God who stepped into our world. We have the promise of every tear one day being wiped away. And so we'll make that our focus. We'll make that our message. Rather than being a mirror that just reflects back to the world what a mess things are, we want to paint a better picture by pointing to Jesus as our hope. And we want to drown out the fear in the world by being loud about that message of good news of great joy. I work as a doctor, and one of the things that happens when you work as a doctor is you spend a lot of time in hospital. And when you spend time in hospital, there's certain noises that you hear on a regular basis. 
There's good noises, like the grinding of the coffee machine making me a flat white to fuel me through another clinic. There's annoying noises, like the bleep of a pager going off just as I put my lunch in the microwave. And then there's noises that can be good or bad. You see, whenever you're in hospital and you hear a woman screaming in agony, it makes all the difference in the world where you currently are in the hospital. There's a world of difference between a woman screaming with pain on the maternity or the cancer ward. One scream signifies new life on the way. The other signifies all sorts of incredible suffering. And as a church, we're not oblivious to what's going on in the world around us. We know that there is pain in the world, but we believe the good news of Jesus, that we are currently on the labor ward and that there's hope ahead. With Jesus as our message, we're gonna focus on that good news. We aren't gonna go around just telling the world how bad things are. We're gonna go and point to Jesus, the light of the world, the hope of nations. We're gonna declare the good news that the troubles we face are but momentary afflictions in light of the eternal weight of glory that lies ahead for those who put their trust into Jesus. You see, there's already more than enough bad news out there. What people need is good news. People need to hear of the hope that we have in Jesus. So as a church, we're gonna keep that good news at the center. We're gonna keep the message of Jesus our message. Again and again, we're gonna declare it. Again and again, we'll sing about it. Again and again, we'll celebrate it. And again and again, we will invite people to embrace that good news for themselves. You see, people get transformed by seeing Jesus for who he is. We see it again and again in the gospels. And we see it again and again today. If you don't believe me, you only need to go onto our church YouTube page and look at some of our life story videos. Start watching the sh stories shared there by the likes of Nicole, Nicola, Alan, Naomi, and many more. They all happened because they encountered Jesus. They happened because some people around them embraced the fact that Jesus is good news and shared that message with them. And as a church, we believe that there's many, many others around us, people in our lives who will also be transformed by us getting bold and sharing that message. They won't be transformed by us having great lights or having the most incredibly funny anecdotes and sermons or having the most tuneful band. They won't be transformed by us having great coffee, although that will help people stay awake whilst I'm speaking, so it does have a role to play. What people will be transformed by is us having Jesus as our message. They'll be transformed by us declaring and celebrating the good news of Jesus. So that has to be our priority, it has to be our focus. You see, we focus on Jesus because we believe that if people really see Jesus for who he is, they'll be totally captured by his beauty and compelled to devote their lives to following him. It may feel repetitive when we're talking about Jesus every week, but we believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we're always gonna keep his message as our story. The final point this morning is that we all have ownership of this. The key word for me in that value that Jesus is our message is that small word, our. This is for all of us. As a church, we'll always share the message that Jesus is our message from the stage and in all that we do and give people the opportunity to respond. But we each have personal responsibility too. We can't just sit back and expect Pastor Phil to carry all the weight. We have our own part to play. It says in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who hears you, for the, to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. We all have to be ready and willing to share the hope that we have through our faith in Jesus. Our means all of us. Every person in this room or watching online, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you're included in our. No matter how old or young you are, no matter whether you've read all of the Bible or just John 3 verse 16, no matter whether you're rich or poor, no matter whether you're male or female, 
no matter whether you have a position on team or if you're still trying to figure out where you could serve, no matter whether you've been here for several years or several weeks, no matter whether you're sitting in the front row or trying to hide in the back, no matter whether you feel ready or not, we're all included in our. Jesus is our message, and we must all be ready to share that hope that we have. This isn't a spectator sport where you can just turn up on a Sunday and watch one or two people do the ministry. We all have that role to play in sharing the good news of Jesus with the world around us. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 19 and 20, that God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You see, Jesus is our message, and he's the best news that anyone could ever hear. We've been called to be his ambassadors, representing him to the world as his hands and feet. We have no problem representing sports teams, fashion labels, or technology companies, yet we can sometimes shy away from sharing Jesus. But he's our story, and he should be our central passion. And the reason why we do everything we do should be to give people opportunities to hear and receive that message of reconciliation. We aren't just part of a church for a fun social club to get something to do on Sunday morning or to make us feel good about ourselves. We're part of church because we want to make a difference in the world for the sake of those who don't yet know Jesus, a difference that goes beyond the walls of our church building, that goes beyond us even, and impacts not just our Sunday for an hour from 11 till 12, or an hour and a half of Phil speaking. He's in kids, I can say that. (laughs) But that impacts our entire week. If all we do at church is seek to impress people with nice coffee and flashy lights, but don't point them to Jesus, then it's all been in vain. Don't know if I mentioned earlier, but I'm a doctor. And in medicine, we're constantly encountering new illnesses and discovering new cures. If a scientist or a doctor was to discover a cure to a new condition and kept that knowledge to themselves whilst people continued to suffer and die, that would be incomprehensibly inhumane. When a doctor comes across something new that seems to work to treat an illness, they don't keep that knowledge to themselves. They write a research paper. They get it printed in a scientific journal. They issue a press release to the national news. And if they're really smart, they'll get a patent on it so that they can start to profit from all the people who get cured by that illness, by that treatment. Unfortunately, I'm yet to make any such discoveries, which is why I still drive a 10-year-old Corsa. On the rare occasions when it isn't in Mark's garage, getting repairs done, that is. But you see, we have a far better discovery. You see, our sin, our rebellion against God, didn't make us bad or sick. It left us dead, totally cut off from God. And yet, God showed his love for us in that while we were still dead in our sin, Jesus died for us, bringing us from death to new life. And that's the hope that we have, that we were once dead, but now we're alive. And that offer of new life is available to anyone who puts their trust in Jesus who accepts the forgiveness that he made available to us through his death on the cross. How can we keep silent about that? All around us are people who aren't just sick, but who are facing an eternity cut off from God. And we know the cure. The solution is Jesus. And so we have to make Jesus our message. We have to be bold to share that good news with those around us. We can't just entertain people with nice coffee and cool, relevant vibes, but leave them oblivious to the fact that they need Jesus. He's given us new life, and he offers that new life to the whole world. It's not just for us. And so we have to take forward that message. We must be ambassadors of Christ who share the message of reconciliation, who are always prepared to give a reason for the hope that's in us. You see, the reason is Jesus. He's our message, and we can't stay silent. In Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20, Jesus gives one final instruction to his followers, an instruction that applies to all of us today who are following him as well. 
He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the ends of the age. You see, Jesus instructs us to go to the world and proclaim his message. The gospel, the good news, is our message. It belongs to each of us. It's central to all that we do. All of our other values flow out of the foundation that Jesus is our message. So we need to know the message, and we need to know Jesus personally. If we're going to make disciples of all the nations, we have to have our own personal relationship with Jesus. We can't authentically share a message that we haven't embraced ourselves. And once we have embraced that message, we have a responsibility to carry it forward, to share the good news of great joy with those around us. You see, Jesus is not just our eighth message. He's each of our personal messages too. All of us who've called on the name of the Lord have those stories of being brought from death to life. And that's an amazing message to share. If you follow Jesus for any length of time, you're going to have stories of how he's brought transformation and breakthrough in your life. And what we need to do is we need to share those stories. We can't keep them to ourselves. You see, the world needs to know that Jesus is still in the business of bringing healing, restoration, revelation, hope, forgiveness, and second chances today. As I bring things to a close this morning, remember, Jesus is our message. The message will never change. The methods will come and go, but the message remains the same. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. The good news of the gospel is that same good news that the shepherds told the, were told about by the angels 2,000 years ago. You see, culture, it comes and goes. Societal views and values will shift and change. The media will champion certain causes for a season and then move on to the next big thing. But Jesus is unchanging. Our message is unchanging. We aren't going to be swayed by what society is teaching. We're going to cling firm to the message of Jesus in his word. We're going to be led by the ultimate authority that comes from the words of his teaching. The message isn't going to change, but how we share the message will. You see, the vast majority of people coming to our church for the first time nowadays have either watched one of the live streams or caught up on a YouTube video of a service before they come. And even a couple of years ago, we didn't have the technology to do that. Most of us today probably read the Bible on an app rather than a paper copy. And 20 years ago, none of us had apps. 500 years ago, no one even had an English copy of the Bible on paper. Technology changes all the time. And we'll be unashamed at making the most of the opportunities that new technologies and new styles of cultural expression give us to share that unchanging message of Jesus. I mentioned at the start that we can find it hard to talk to others about Jesus. But there's a couple of things that I think will help us find that confidence to share that Jesus is our message. The first is by being reminded of just how good the good news of the message is, but being reminded how much people are in need of it and how vital it is for them that we share it with them. You see, all around us, in the streets that we live in, in the jobs that we work in, are people who desperately need the message of hope. So we need to let that give us the motivation to overcome our fears, to be bold and share it. And the second thing that will help us is being reminded that we don't have to do it alone. We've not been given a spirit of timidity, but of power and boldness. You see, we have the Holy Spirit helping us, giving us words to say and empowering us to help make Jesus our message. So don't feel you have to do it on your own. Sharing the message of Jesus can feel scary. We can be worried about how people will respond. We can be afraid of not having the answers to all the questions a friend may ask. You may feel you don't know enough. But here's the thing. 
In John 4, there's an encounter Jesus had with a woman at a well. It was a brief chat, only a few minutes. He told her that he was the source of living water, the hope the world had been waiting on, and he backed it up by revealing that he knew all about her secret sin and shame. Right away, she believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And what did she do? She didn't sign up to a three-year seminary program. She didn't go on an intensive evangelism course. She didn't binge on a 10-part Sharing Your Faith podcast series. She immediately went and told everyone in her town that they needed to come and see Jesus for themselves. She shared what Jesus had done in her life and invited others to come and encounter him for themselves. And that's how simple it can be. We don't need to have verse after verse of scripture memorized. We don't need to know all the correct theological terms. We simply need to tell people about what Jesus has done for us and invite them to come and see for themselves. You see, we're not responsible for convicting and saving anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job. All we need to do is be bold, open our mouths and share those stories of what Jesus has done in our life and then let the Holy Spirit work. So here's the application. This is personal. Jesus is our message. It isn't up to a pastor or a worship leader to share the good news. This is for each of us to take responsibility. We can't rely on Pastor Phil to do it all. Each of us have been called to be ambassadors, carriers of the name of Jesus. We each have people that we're uniquely positioned to reach, people who may not even dream of coming to church at the moment, but who live or work with us, who we can share our story with of what Jesus has done in our lives. Phil doesn't have access to your family dinners. He can't just turn up uninvited at your workplace and start sharing with your colleagues, but you can. You see, our means all of us collected. It doesn't mean one or two of us. It means we all have a part to play in sharing the good news of the message of Jesus. So ask God to give you that boldness through the help of the Holy Spirit to start sharing that Jesus is our message today. One of the ways we're gonna have an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus in a couple of moments is by taking communion. If you've put your trust in Jesus as your message, as your personal Lord and Savior, you're invited to come down to the front during the final song and receive the bread and juice. The bread represents Jesus's body, which was given for all of us. And the juice represents Jesus's blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. It's an act of remembrance, a reminder to ourselves of all that Jesus has done for us. A reminder that we are not righteous, but because of his great mercy, we can boldly come before God's throne. It's a moment to pause and give thanks to Jesus for all that he's done for us. And a moment to recommit to making that our message in the week ahead. There's no special power in taking communion. It's merely bread and juice. It's not gonna bring you good luck or good fortune, but there is immense wonder-working power in what it reminds us of, the blood of Jesus given to raise us from death to life. It's a reminder to carry forward that message of good news into our family situations, into our workplaces and our daily routines in the week ahead. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.